Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Oregon Trappers Association podcast. Uh, Today, I am sitting down with my good friend, uh, Jeremy Watson. He is the acting uh, vice president for the Oregon Trappers Association. And today, we're going to sit down and talk about the uh, upcoming first sales and OTA's involvement with that. Jeremy, how you doing, bud? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. It's been a good day. Got a few things done. Um, I'm getting excited. The uh, the first sales are are coming up here in Oregon, and you know it's kind of always that end of the year excitement. You kind of get to see how your uh, you know all your efforts come out in the end. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. There's a whole bunch of things I'm excited about. You know, and th- those are one of them. And of course, the you know the the last sports show we got is the Central Oregon Sports Show, and uh, that's always a really, really, really good one for us. And uh, so I'm, yeah, yeah. There's tons of excitement when it comes to this time of year. Yeah, uh, and not so much excitement too, I guess. You know, because we ain't trapping no more very much. You know, now it just goes to damage control work, and it's no longer the uh, chasing bobcats and river otters. Uh, you know, good flashy coyotes, uh, you know, so that I guess on the other end of it, it kind of, kind of, kind of sad when a guy starts tripping all of his gear and pulling it, getting it cleaned up for next year, you know? Yeah, it's definitely a, a bittersweet moment, if you will. I guess that's a good way to put it. You know, you're excited, but at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, well, now we got to wait for another season. Well, why is it bitter? Is it bitter because we're, <laughs> the fur buyers are getting us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably part of it too. No, it's just it's just because we you know we only we have these set seasons and yeah, like you said, we had to pull our gear and we don't get to go out and necessarily enjoy doing what we love so much. Now we're we're kind of starting to move into that damage complaint season or uh, what have you, if you will. And and the yeah. fur buyers are getting us. They, they are and boogers. No, I had to throw that in there because I like teasing them guys. But uh, no, it, you know everything's changing right now. Everything. It's like the I, I got this kid that's going to come stay here at the house for a couple few days, and he's uh what twelve and wants to learn how to trap cats and coyotes. And uh, I've known his dad for I don't know most of my life. And so he was like, yeah, bring him over. We'll, we'll get him going. And, and, uh, you know, but it's going to be hard to, to teach that kid because things are changing, you know, the grass is greening up around this part of the country and, you know, them trails that them cattle and deer and elk have been wearing down, you know, they're starting to green up. And, uh, so it'd be hard to, to teach him those, those kinds of things. But I guess that's just the way the season is with, you know, progressing forward, you know, days are getting longer, get a little more work done type of thing, you know? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You got to, uh, got to move on with the seasons, unfortunately, but moving on with the seasons has a fortunate part, um, you know, and, and it, I don't know, I feel like trappers don't ever take a break from doing what they love you know like you stated earlier we're getting to that time of year where okay we're getting our gear packed up we're kind of maybe making some plans for next year or you know obviously we have other things that we're doing too but 
you know, I don't think we ever quite lose the bug. I spend a lot of time out in my, my shed in the summer just trying to get ready for the next season and thinking about, you know, November 15th coming around. Yeah. Yeah, I won't lie to you. I don't. I'm a huge procrastinator. I wait till the <laughs> library. <on it. laughs> well, that, that happens too. Yeah, I'm that guy making back dirt in December, you know, and uh, everybody else is done like August and uh, I haven't even thought about it, you know, I'm I'm too busy, but, <clears throat> but yeah, no, it's, it's good stuff. It's good fun. I enjoy it. That's how I live my life. Yep, absolutely. Well, Jeremy, uh, the, the main reason we, we got you on the show today is, uh, you know, we kind of doing a new thing with OTA at the fur sales. Um, and especially we're going to, we're going to kind of kick this thing off here in, in Prineville on March 2nd at our first fur sale. Um, you want to tell me about, um, some of the new things that are going to get implemented in, in, uh, or at our first or at the first sale. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd call it new, you know, I think I just call it resurrected, you know, um, <clears throat> with, with a lot of associations, you know, trying to find volunteer help is extremely hard and people that want to, or not necessarily want to, but people that actually can dedicate so much freaking time, you know, to, to making these things possible is, is really, 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 really hard. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, you got to remember these are just volunteers and, you know, but at the same time you want to, you need to count on those. And, and sometimes it just, it gets too hard for a lot of different organizations and associations, et cetera. And, um, and so <clears throat> we've got a, uh, a really strong team now. Um, you know, Doug's daughter, uh, Doug's our president for, people that don't know um his daughter andrea she's been a really good help um you know with us and she's extremely proactive and her her, her boys and her husband are uh go, extremely good go-getters and so it's just that they've been a a lot of help to um <clears throat> help shine that light a little bit more um and some enthusiasm and so it's you know, between the handful of us that are, you know, charging the front end uh, continually, you know, uh, we uh, were able to, to make this go, you know, and it's, it's not so much just like what's new, it's, it's what's, what's being made, if that makes sense, you know, like Stan uh, steel. I mean, we, none of this would be happening if it wasn't for him. Uh, <clears throat> you know, but w with some of us really pushing hard, uh, we've, we've able to kind of resurrect things like I mentioned and, and get the ball rolling again and, and, and kind of show, you know, the membership, you know, Hey, you know, we are here. We do care. Uh, it's just been, just been really hard um and now we've got some people that are making some huge sacrifices um from their time and their families and 
hell, I, I got freezer full of fur. I still got to get put up, uh, you know, and I'm between doing all this and that and going to meetings and, uh, there, there's a lot of work involved, but, um, but anyway, I guess I kind of traveled off on that, but no, it's been resurrected, you know, and, um, we're, we're moving to a better beginning for the membership and for the people and trying to make things a little more lively and fun. Um, at the Primeville sale, we finally, uh, drove the nail home hard enough that, uh, we're, we're getting our awards back and, uh, which is super cool. Uh, to me, <clears throat> a lot of folks, a lot of people don't care about the whole award situation, but, um, you know, when I was younger, uh, watching other guys win it, you know, and the smiles on their face, I thought it was pretty darn cool. Um, you know, and I always really looked forward. I sure hoped that I was going to get one. And, um, I think the one time, uh, I finally did get that presentation they they didn't do the awards anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. so i was like well that okay well whatever <clears throat> so it's always been in the back of my mind you know why don't we do this anymore and there's other things involved you know it's, you know otc it's their first sale it's not oregon trappers associations and uh you know but between the two of us uh, we're definitely taking the lead and making things happen and, uh, we're doing awards, dang it. And, uh, it's going to be freaking awesome. And, uh, uh, standing members, uh, who win those awards will get a, uh, uh, oh goodness. I don't know what the correct word would be, but, uh, a plaque that's specifically made, uh, for them. You know, it's specific to them. Uh, so they'll get their certificate, you know, at the sale. Uh, but if you're a standing member, uh, we're, we're going to get a plaque made for you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's um, quite a bit above and beyond than, uh, than it's happened actually ever before. I think they were, you know, fairly uh generic you know just said you know top cat or top lot or top beaver you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, these ones are actually personalized uh with the date and so that, that, i think that's pretty awesome for for folks <clears throat> you know but you got to be a standing member you're not a standing member of oregon trapper association and you will not get a plaque you'll get your certificate you just will get the plaque um and uh we're going to do uh, what biscuits and gravy for breakfast and then like hamburgers and hot dogs for lunch. And it's uh, quote free. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to charge anybody anything, but we're going to have a little tip bucket there. Um, trying to, you know, get people there and involved uh, and, you know, kind of hang out and have some fun. Cause we have a, really big pile of guest speakers coming in for Primeville. Um, Klamath Falls, I haven't really started working on that one yet. I'm still in the phases of uh, Primeville right now, and then I'll start it off on Klamath Falls. Mm-hmm. But I'll imagine, I'll imagine Klamath Falls 
will fall fairly in the same direction. And so <clears throat> our speakers that are coming in, um, Stan Steele, he's our government affairs. He's going to come in there and uh, talk about uh, what's coming down the pipe, what is here right now. Uh, on trapping issues and hound dogging issues, uh, because he's also um, the government affair guy for the Oregon United Sporting Dogs Association, and that's our our friends that we shake really good hands with on the hound dog deal. And so uh, he'll do some talking with them folks, uh, as well as us trappers at the same time. And then <clears throat> afterwards, we'll have Oregon Tarp Fish and Wildlife. Uh, Central Oregon wolf biologist uh, Aaron Bott. Aaron's going to be there and he's going to shake hands and uh, talk about you know trappers in Oregon uh, trapping in monks wolf country and hound doggers as well. Um, and so that's going to be a, a a pretty neat little deal to have. And I'm, I'm really appreciative that he's going to take his time away from his family. Uh, to come hang out with us on the weekend for a little bit and give his uh, speech of uh, who, what, when, where, and why, and then probably answer a bunch of questions. And uh, I'd like to keep in, in mind anybody that's planning to attend that sale and uh, want to talk to Aaron, just keep in the back of your mind. He doesn't write rules, regulations. He didn't bring him from Canada to Yellowstone. He's just a gentleman that has a job in the state of Oregon. And I mind you to be very nice to him. Uh, and I mean that. And then we have uh, Ryan Custis. He's going to talk about uh, cats and coyotes. Uh, if you're going to get a high dollar from him, this is what he wants to see. He wants to see this, 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 and this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so he's going to be there doing that. Uh, we've got the uh, uh, River Otter King. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know who that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dennis Sutherland. He's going to talk about the River Otters. And uh, we had to release the hounds, excuse me. Um. But he's going to talk about river otters, and I told him if you want to plug in a couple of extras, you know, it'd be sweet. And uh, he said, okay, I think he wants to talk maybe about a little bit about possums. Uh, I think he said he, he would like to talk about them, too. And I, I know he's got a pretty good demand for them. Um, so if you guys are thinking about coming to the Prineville sale, and you got some, some pretty good possums, uh, bring them. Cause this old boy wants them anyhow. Uh, and then, uh, oh goodness, Don Junkins. Yep. Correct. Yep. That gentleman is doing, uh, pork pine, uh, guard hairs. Is he doing quills too? Uh, I think he's mainly going to, from, from my understanding, he's mainly going to talk about easier ways of, Removing the porcupine guard hairs, cleaning them up, and and getting them ready to sell, and so it's all done correctly. Because if it's not done correctly, um, the hair isn't as valuable. 
And that's the main demand. Uh, <clears throat> it, you know, it is. And I know like, and like, I didn't know this, uh, but years and years ago, uh, I was taught to uh, dry my porcupine guard hairs in a paper bag. Put them in a paper bag. Don't ever put them in a plastic bag. Put them in a paper bag. And then once they're dry, then you can put them in your plastic. But I guess it's like uh, there's enough moisture um, in the, I don't know, in the part that sticks in the in the hide, you know? In the root? Um, sure. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> I don't think it is. I thought it was like a something else but whatever um but yes the andrew root (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no i mean you get what i'm saying right right yeah there's enough there's enough moisture in there that it uh, it 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 creates some kind of rot in it i i I don't know hopefully don can explain that a little bit more because i'm actually really curious to hear about that portion of it and uh But yeah, so, you know, the pork pine, um, which a lot of people pass up, and I don't understand why uh, there's a really good chunk of change sitting there, uh, in my personal opinion. I mean, there's there's quite a bit of money involved in those things if a guy spends a little bit of time breaking it down, I mean, and all of that, but they're pretty good table fare, too. and um, you just got to get through the pokey things, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, between the guard hairs and the quills, and then uh, the the meat, you know, I mean, heck, you you're doing all right, and then the skulls and the claws. Uh, there's there's value in all of it today. Um, there there there's literally hardly any waste to speak of. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on most of them critters, but especially pork pines. And then he's doing beaver as well. And then I, I'm, I'm hoping he'll do some, you know, muskrat stuff too, because I know he likes playing rats. Um, and then we've got, oh goodness, I think that might be all I have. Uh, current. Isn't Lance doing something? Oh, right, 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 right. I was looking at my book. Hang on. Yeah. Yep. So Lance, yep. Lance is next. So Lance is doing, he's, he's come up with this pretty cool little way to, I don't know, uh, color up your skulls, you know, and he, he torches them. I'm not going to get into his, uh, you know, demo for him, you know, but it's, it's going to be pretty neat to, uh, listen to his stuff i mean he's this guy has really came around to bring a huge value to everything he's turning those nutria i'll just i'll just hammer this one out so he's taking them nutria that most guys are getting three four five bucks for right Uh and by the time it's all said and done he's looking at 70 80 bucks a piece wow yeah yeah i mean he, he's using his he's using his head and uh, he's coming up with different ways to to make financial gains on these animals that typically 
nobody wants to do nothing with. And uh, and he's taking the time and making it happen. So he's the one that's reaping the benefits of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, but yeah, so Lance will be there. Uh, I do not know if he's going to go to Klamath. I'm pushing him to go because I'd love to have him talk about that kind of stuff. I'm down in Klamath Falls as well. And uh, I'm sure I can get quite a few of the buyers uh, to uh, commit to the same thing. Um, But I have to wait, you know, I mean, until after the sale. And some of them guys might be like, no, I got enough. I ain't going. You know what I mean? Uh Um, So I got to see who's actually committing to go to Klamath. And then I'll start making some phone calls. But. Uh, but yeah, Klamath, I'm, I'm pushing hard to do the same thing in Klamath and, uh, we should have, should have a pretty good time in Primeville. Uh, and I almost guarantee it in Klamath too. Well, yeah. And it, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know, these guys coming in, you know, Dennis is talking about uh, the the possums, and Don is talking about the the porcupine hair, and uh, Ryan's talking about cats and coyotes, and and Lance is doing skulls. So you have a whole bunch of different different little things that can, you know, increase that uh, the the utilization of that animal, and and be, I mean goes a little bit further for the for the pocketbook that's not the most important thing in the world but it helps when you when you take your your time to go out and check traps every day and you're spending gas and you're buying food and things like that so why not utilize um this knowledge and you know i think kind of like what you were saying about porcupines things like possums are are getting passed up because nobody really thinks that they have a whole lot of value. And, you know, with the, with the way the coyote market is today, you know, people aren't necessarily going out and targeting coyotes, but if you can get just a little bit more for, for each coyote that you take, uh, why not? And why not pursue them in the name of conservation? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a whole bunch there's a whole bunch more that you can add to that stuff, you know, and, and if a guy's halfway smart about it, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're beaver. So you look at it, you're like, okay, well, you know, I've got my pelt and this year they're, they're doing pretty darn good. You know, I think they're around, you know, $40 average or so, or 36. Um, and then you have your caster and I think it's fairly low what it's been, but you know, 40 bucks a pound, um, which is not good at all. Actually, it's extremely low. Those days of a hundred, hundred bucks a pound, <laughs> those are pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, <clears throat> we'll just say it's 50 bucks a pound. Okay. Just to make numbers easy. And, uh, you know, by the time you do the skull, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming most people are utilizing, uh, the meat from the beaver to either a eat or B, uh, use for bait because everything likes eating beaver. Um, 
you know, I mean, so if you take that beaver and you got one hind quarter and, uh, you catch a bobcat and a cubby, uh, on a beaver leg hind quarter, well, guess what? That beaver just brought you, uh, potentially a $1,200 cat, $500 cat, 200, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it, you know, to me, that's, that's gas in the tank to go to work to get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You you utilize part of that, uh, animal to continue a, a larger, higher dollar value, you know, on another one basically. And so, you know, that beaver went from, <clears throat> well, they're only worth 40 bucks. Like, well, yeah, sure. They're only worth 40 bucks, but uh, then you do the caster that's on it. You know, if they got really big full casters under ice or something, well, shoot. Now you're looking potential. Now it's a $60 beaver. Well, and then the skull, I mean, I don't know what the fair market value is on them, but I found one guy that's giving me six bucks around. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ask me, that's pretty darn good. Uh, and that's unclean, right? Correct. Yeah, that's just, yeah. And that's, that's these, uh, you know, uh, Rusty over there in Idaho, he's, he chases that freaking, uh, craft market really hard. And he's got some pretty good craft guys that come down out of Montana. Um, and uh, they're 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 really big buyers, you know. I don't think they'd ever come here just because it's too far um, from where they are. But you know, the craft market is huge. You wouldn't believe uh, the amount. And and you know, at our sales here in the state of Oregon, um, we do have quite a bit of craft stuff that does come through. Um, between, you know, skulls, claws, uh, bones, tails, uh, yeah, tails as well. And I mean, there, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that comes through here, but I, I think a lot of people don't take the time, you know, you want to talk about balcums, um, well, raccoons ain't the only freaking one. And there's people out there that want beavers and, and, and fox and coyotes. Um, and I think it's kind of strange, just me personally, but <laughs> they, uh, <clears throat> they make them like an earrings. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's what you want right on, you know, but, uh, but there's money there. So, you know, the guy that was paying, you know, six bones, or I shouldn't say bones, huh? Six bucks uh, per skull. Uh, he wanted all the balcons as well, and he was paying me uh, three bucks on the whole. Okay. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so every balcon is three bucks. Gotcha. Yeah, and that that makes it a little bit more worth it. It's not a whole lot of work to get an extra three bucks no you know and, and if if so the six and then the three that's nine let's just round it up call it ten just to make numbers easy you know but i mean you know that extra ten bucks um that's kind of going somewhere 
You know, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're putting up some numbers and you take the extra time, boom, um, you know, uh, otter glands on the otters. I probably should have told you about that. Sorry. Um, you know, on them, them otters you picked up. How many did you put up this year? Three, four? Uh, four. Four. On those four, yeah, you probably could have made another 40 bucks on them. Yeah. 10 bucks a piece. Yeah. That's, I mean, well, and I was going to say the same thing. If you go out and you kill or harvest, we'll use the correct terminology here, harvest, let's say 50 coyotes and you're getting, uh, you know, let's, again, let's make it easy. You're getting between the skull and the bulkum of a coyote, you're getting an extra 10 bucks. That's assuming they're all males. Um, that's a pretty good chunk of change. At the end of the day, yeah, it adds up. I mean, um, you know, it just, it just totally depends. And if a guy thinks a little more outside the box, you know, there, there's some pretty good money to be had. And, you know, Lance, <clears throat> he fell into a little gold mine this year and, um, and he started trapping these invasive species nutria uh for a farmer that just couldn't keep up he's like the farmer told him he's like i'm catching 40 a year and i still have a huge problem mm-hmm. you know the the nutria have destroyed the muskrat populations almost to the the point where they're extinct in several tributaries and uh i think if we got rid of all the nutria Eventually, they would come back, you know, but um, you want to talk about a huge problem. Well, and, uh, I'm sorry. Lance, no, you're good. Uh, Lance went out there and, you know, put the hammer down and, and freaking, um, I think he's he's way over 100, maybe 122 or something like that for the year on those nutria. Wow. And, uh, and that's really cool but i mean at the other end of the spectrum uh <clears throat> he's turning those freaking things from three to five dollars you know to 50 60 70 uh-huh. i mean that's that's pretty awesome in my opinion and um you know so definitely kudos to that fella uh for thinking way outside of the box and I guess I've seen it before. I just never really thought about it. You know what I mean? And, um, but for, for someone that has the time, it's there. And if you don't have the time, there's someone that does have the time and they'll buy them. You just got to find the right folks, you know, and, um, get into those, the, that oddity market. And that's what they call it. It's an oddity market. If you get into those oddities, um, I think a guy can make up quite a bit more, <clears throat> quite a bit more gas money for sure. Oh, absolutely! Every every little penny that you can that you can add into the into the pot there makes it makes it way easier to continue doing what um, what I do is true conservation. You know, just like Lance with the with the Nutria, you got a much larger rodent than a muskrat that basically lives in the same habitat that can outcompete a native species. And so, you know, 
true conservation gets expensive though when you're running out and and you got to check all them traps every couple of days or every day in in some cases and and you know if he can make a little bit more bang for his buck there you go yeah i think that farmer <clears throat> helped him on helped him out on his field bill um uh, w- which is nice so you know but it's i guess it's little things like that you know to to bring to the sale to what we're talking about uh you can do a ton of different things and lance is going to do a demo um on his oddity market stuff and you know his skull cleaning and burning and that's what he, he does like a flash burn on him um and it just makes him kind of I don't know. You just have to see it for yourself. It's kind of like charcoal in some spots and it just looks really cool. And he puts some, looks like it looks like some kind of clear finish. Um, but I don't want to steal his demo. You know what I'm saying? So he, he can come there. If you want to hear it, you want to see it uh, show up. You know, and he spends some time gluing and he, he's got some really cool stuff down the pipe. Um, and so I'm actually really excited about that one. He, that's probably going to be the coolest one there is, is that demo. Yeah, absolutely. And I I did those kinds of things because they're a little, they're completely unorthodox to like all the other places, you know, states, I should say, and their sales, you know, you hear about, well, so-and-so's doing a cage bobcat trapping demo and -and so-and-so's doing a freaking coyote trench set demo. And I mean, you go to enough of those, you're like, "Uh uh-huh. 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 You know, <laughs> like, oh, I heard this last week, you know. Um, and so I was like, what is different? And especially with as many new trappers that are coming in, I was like, you know what? These guys need to know. Yeah. They need to. And so I'm going to, the guys that are buying, I'm making them tell you what they want to buy. Well, and that, that generally, um, especially for, you know, I always give this advice to new trappers or young trappers. Um, the best thing you can do when you are at these sales is ask the fur buyers, you know, how do you want this put up? Because initially they kind of, you know, catering to them is how you are going to get, um, again, the most bang for your buck because it's what they need to see, to sell it in the future. Correct. Correct. You know, I... Yeah, I mean, people... People learn, okay, they figure out how to trap or how to, you know, make these different sets, right? Mm-hmm. And then a lot of them are like, how do I put my fur up though? I, I caught it, but what do, what do I do? And I've seen that a, several times this year. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so it, it was just kind of like, you know what? It, it's time that people learn, you know, and 
Uh, we've all been to sales and we've all sat there and walked around the tables and we've seen stuff that we we're like, whoa. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I seen one one time. <clears throat> it was in Klamath Falls and uh, the buyer walks up to this bobcat and he grabbed it and he, he looked at it like he was. I don't, well, I don't know what he was thinking because I don't know what them guys are thinking ever. Uh, but <laughs> he looked at it and he looked at it kind of like at an angle, you know, like sideways or something. Maybe he's looking at the length of the hair. Um, and then he flipped it and that freaking tail just flew off. Oh, geez. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And uh, he just, he just tossed it right down on the ground or not on the ground, but on the table. Uh, and then as he walked off, I went over there and grabbed the tail and it still had the bone in it. Hmm. Well, all the tailbone was showing. So hopefully, uh, these demonstrations are going to teach anybody and everybody that's new or even, even me, you know, I mean, <clears throat> You know, there, there's there's things to learn, and, you know, I know most all of my otters <clears throat> are going to go to Dennis, if not all of them, right? Right. Well, I want to know what it's going to take for him to pay me $85 instead of 65 Yep. So that's kind of kind of why I did it. You know, let's let's help everybody and anybody that's new coming and um, you know, and cat guys they're always scratching their freaking head. You know, like, gosh dang it! And I was talking to one gentleman this afternoon, and he was like, "Yeah, he says I had one cat. <coughs> it was like four hundred some bucks, and he's like, no, nope, I ain't selling it.'" Took it to the very next sale and got sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Well, I I can tell you one thing from my experience is learning how to grade a a bobcat is the hardest thing in the world, um, or one of the hardest things in the world to learn, um, because there is so much variation. And on top of that, you add in so much variation of what the international markets are doing, where these are eventually getting sold. And so everybody else, everybody's got a different uh, reason for buying a specific looking bobcat, if you will. And so little, you know, but learning the general way to put them up and that's going to, you know, sell the best, that's important. You know, it's, it's kind of like hunting when the, the real work begins once you harvest a deer. You know what I mean? It's the the taking care of it, the learning how to field dress it, how to skin it, how to cut it up, how to preserve it for uh, later use to consume, that kind of stuff. It's no different with fur. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think them fur buyers... uh, I think they get tossed around so much themselves. They don't know, you know, I mean, 
really. <laughs> Those mm-hmm. poor guys. One, you know, one minute it's this, and the next minute it's that, and you know, and you see them on their phone and they're talking, and I, I don't know if I'd ever want to do what they do. Yeah. Because um, I know it's got to be a freaking headache. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but anyhow, well, uh, what else you got? Well, um, before before I kick you off here, why don't you talk just a little bit about the the Redmond Sportsman Show? You brought that up at the beginning of the show, and just kind of give us some some insight there. Uh, uh, you know, OTA being there. Well, how about I tell you about all the shows? Okay, tell me about all the shows. I will. So we we started out with the Central Oregon Sportsman Show, or well, no, we've been doing Albany forever, and we used to do the, the Oregon State Fair, and things just kind of got, you know, I don't know, uh, a little difficult. There, you know, the the anti legislation pushes harder to make trapping look bad than anything, and um. And so that a lot of that stuff kind of ended, you know, but Albany was never really, it was just a, Hey, we're still here. Right. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I've done a ton of sports shows prior, uh, with the national wild Turkey Federation and, and support of them and raising funds for that nonprofit organization and putting dollars on the ground for habitat restoration programs, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had a really good idea of, what was kind of going on and uh i conned these guys in they're letting me do the central oregon sportsman show and with quite a bit of money to just even get involved and they trusted me and uh i think the, the first year we gained like 53 new members um which is freaking sweet <laughs> you know what i mean and uh, and then the next year, you know, uh, we raffled off a, a gun and a fishing trip and a trapper starter package, and and not only did we get new some new members, um, you know, but we actually profited so that we could put some money in the freaking bank for our anti-hunting, fishing, trapping legislation, you know, uh, or or even you know, uh, w- whatever it needed, but basically that's what it's there for. And at least that's what it's there for what I'm building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, we, this year we, we took off and we did um, Albany again, um, but in a different spectrum than what I just talked about. And then we did Roseburg. That was the same weekend. I was down there uh, hammering that one out. <clears throat> and uh, I had a young gentleman, uh, Kate, named Case Sutton. Him and his dad were at her banquet. Um, maybe his mom came. I don't remember. But anyways, uh, he came and helped me out there at the booth on on Friday for a few hours. And he, uh, he conned his mom and uh, buying some raffle tickets for one of the guns we were auctioning off or raffling off and uh, and she freaking won hmm. <laughs> that was pretty cool um <clears throat> and uh and over in uh 
Albany. They did a fishing trip and a gun. And I think uh, two locals uh, won those as well. Uh, and so we, we've kind of turned that pendulum into just saying, hi, how are you? To saying, hi, how are you? Um, you want to win something cool? Check this out. And, uh, and it's working really well, uh, ex- extremely well. And so the Central Oregon Sportsman Show uh, is going to be the same, uh, but it's extremely larger. It takes a whole lot more effort to get it done. It's four hard days. Um, I think there's 30,000 or 20,000 people to walk through them doors. Um which is a whole bunch of work. Mm-hmm. But we've hammered it out for the last couple of years. Excuse me. And we're going to do it again this year. Good. And I'm glad to hear that. You know, the sports shows have been extremely beneficial, in my opinion. Um, you know, and, and you've definitely taken the head or the lead on that. And and started broadening the spectrum. Um, I'm looking forward to the future of being able to attend all of them and and have our presence more than just, hey, guys, we're here. I want to say, hey, we're here, and we're here to stay. And I think that's, uh, I think that's kind of the direction that you were definitely taking this. It is, you know, and it really helps, you know, having Mac. Uh, with Max Trap Supplies, uh, you're welcome, Max. That little plug, um, <laughs> uh, it really helps having him right next door. <clears throat> we we share a booth together. We actually make it in combined to one big huge booth, and we we got bar stools. Folks can come up there and just hang out and just just talk trapping, uh, you know. And and it's it, it's a whole bunch of fun. You know, I, I bring like three or four bar stools and we got a couple of our own chairs in the back and there's like a walkthrough deal and, and, and folks just really have a good time. But for the most part, um, you know, and Mac works on it too, you know, when folks are like, well, you know, I mean, I don't think that's pretty cool. And you're like, well, why? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, because of this and. I don't know how many freaking times I put my hand in a trap per day. And there's some of them that are like, put your hand in that trap. I'm like, well, if you're man enough to take it off, I will. They're <laughs> like, what? I'm like, yeah, if you, if you can take it off, I'll do it. I mean, you know, but I, you know, it's going to be really hard for me to do it. One hand and my two feet. And, and I thought about doing like a little tip jar like, yeah, here, put a tip in there and I'll do it for you. No problem. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really in influencing to the public, you know, like I've changed every single show I go to and I am promoting, uh, I change the hearts and minds of several every single time, you know, they, they come up, Oh, that's, happens cruel i'm like okay well how you know well it breaks your leg okay cool and i'll just put my pinky finger in there I'm like there you go i was like look it's not broken you know and 
start explaining things a little bit more to them. And they're like, I had no idea. And I was like, you're exactly. I said, but, the, but you thought it was horrible in the first place. And uh, now you don't. Like, no, I don't. And before you know it, they're freaking taking a membership application. They want a sticker to put on the back of their freaking canopy or the Subaru or whatever it is. And away they go. Hell, they'll be trapping cats and coyotes in no time. Uh-huh. <laughs> probably Ch- not. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, changing changing the minds and, and educating people, you know, that's that's the biggest thing we can do is is showing people that what we do is not this misconcepted idea of that we go out and torture animals because that is not what we do. Um, no, it's, if you go to freaking every single store, and, and I might be, I, I guess I shouldn't say that, you go to 75% of the stores in the state of Oregon, uh, larger stores. I'm not talking mini marts like 7-Eleven. I'm talking stores, Home Depot, Lowe's, Safeway, Thriftway, you know, Roth, IGA, Walmart, Airs, uh, Walmart, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Those kinds of stores where most people are doing their shopping for their homes, there is a section or an old full aisle of how to kill what's bothering you at your house. And 90% of it is poison. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a poison fan at all. I do not like poison uh, uh, one bit. Uh, I'm a trapper and I like trapping because I can release them if I see fit that that is what needs to happen. Uh, and poison, you can't do that. Uh-huh. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't like the whole poison thing, but I think people have normalized themselves that it's a okay to stick a glue paper on the fricking counter and have a have a mouse stuck to it. Have you ever seen that personally? Oh yeah, it's it's not a real pleasant sight. No, it works amazing, but oh my goodness, I was like, holy cow, that's real rough. And you know, folks talk about trapping. Holy cow, mm-hmm. I, I think food traps are a whole lot worse. <clears throat> you know, but uh, we uh. You know, when it comes to conventional trapping is what, what you and I do and hundreds of thousands of us, or at least thousands of us uh, do, um, it, it's nothing compared to a lot of stuff that it, people have been normalized. And um, we've allowed anti-hunting, fishing, trapping organizations to, to beat on us and not stand up for ourselves for so long that a lot of people think that it's, Rule and inhumane stuff, and in all reality, it's uh, it's it's quite the opposite. I mean, uh, you want to talk about the reintroduction of wolves to the lower 48, the success story that has happened in all these different states of wolves being brought back to the lower 48. Well, they didn't show up 
you know, on a train. Uh, we trapped them. So we did. We trapped them. We trapped them. We threw them in a box. Or, well, put them in a box. We didn't throw them. Put them in a box. Brought them down here to Yellowstone and released them. And then they flourished from there. And uh, once they decimated everything in Yellowstone, they moved on. Yeah. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, but I mean, you want to talk about the huge success story of trapping. There's one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at any zoo, you go to any, uh, anything that holds wildlife, like High Desert Museum, just out the bend. Um, you know, most all those animals uh, didn't get there. In a car. Right. Yeah. No, they, they were. They were, they were trapped. Most of them were trapped. They were taken because there was too many in that area and there was a need for a home for them. So they went there. Um, you know, uh, I did a job this year and that was the first thing I asked. Is there anywhere in the state that we need to relocate these animals? And uh, they said, no, there's not. I was like, okay, thank you. Uh, you know, but that's what trappers do. Uh, and that's what these traps do. When these tools are used appropriately, um, they do amazing things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's, that's the change in the hearts and minds for these folks. And that's kind of my spiel that I give uh, when I get some of the folks that are on the fence, you know, the, the people that are, just like screw you they just keep moving um not one of them i have never ever 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 had one person come to me uh who was completely out of line never i think those people they just will not do it they just nope i'm not gonna be confrontational with that guy <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a bit of an imposing figure, Jeremy. <laughs> right. Well, there might be some some truth to that, but uh but yeah, so no no nobody gives me any any heck like that, you know, but the people that are kind of like, well, you know, um 99% of the time they leave saying I had no idea. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I get it. You know, a lot of people don't. They just didn't know, you know, what what it what it's really like. And you know, not only that, but you you know, if you sit there and you put your finger on a pan and the springs come up, uh, especially like on a long spring, you know, they don't come up nearly as fast as a four coiled <laughs> coil spring does. Uh, if you didn't know that, just trust me. <laughs> Oh, I'm plenty aware. Yeah. Yeah. Mac, ugh, he had one sitting on the table and this guy was, I don't know, those are inhumane or something like that. I was like, oh yeah, check this out. I set that booger in like 3.25 seconds and freaking put my hand in there and holy smokes, that four quilt son of a biscuit eater um, smoked me and it's everything I could do not to go, holy shucks. 
And I bit my tongue right there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I caught that. So, anyhow, so we don't have four coil traps sitting up front no more. Um, we're, we're not trying to break through the ice over there. Right. Right, right. But, but yeah, no, so that's a sports show, man. It's a sports show spiel. Uh, we're changing the hearts and minds, man. If there's any other states that are you know, thought about doing or they have that in their area. I truly, truly, truly want to emphasize, Hey, get after it, do it, go do it. Uh, you, you know, there, there's, uh, there's enough leverage to win most places where it'll pay for your booth. If you do a raffle, um, and, and then maybe even then some, um, you know, put some money in your bank account for any anti-trapping legislation or hunting or fishing that comes your way. I, I truly believe that that is an extremely good tool. And I think every single state that has that opportunity should be doing it. I would say you are absolutely 100% correct. It is a very useful event that, like you said, changes the hearts and minds of people. Uh, makes a makes your organization money and allows you to continue doing what you love to do, which is trapping. No, you're you're right, and and something that I've I just implemented this year um, is uh, I added, uh, and this is a very very important part, people is uh i added uh membership information for uh the national trappers association and the fur takers of america um they're going to be on our tables at all times um so that way you can uh join up and be a a member to uh, both or one or the other of these national organizations and i highly recommend you you do both um, because they both do amazing things in different parts. and uh, But at the end of the day, um, they still ride for the same brand. Mm-hmm. And that's all of us continuing to trap. Absolutely. Well, Jeremy, I think I've, uh, I think we are, we're pushing a pretty close time limit here. Um, I'm excited to hear, what's to come at our fur sales and the, the upcoming sportsman show in Redmond. Um, I can't thank you enough for, for what you do for the, uh, the people of Oregon who love to hunt fish and trap, you know, it uh, is definitely crucial and needed work. And um, I encourage everybody listening to please sign up for a membership for not only OTA, but the FTA and the NTA. Um, if you uh, are even thinking about coming down to Prineville, um, you know, I highly suggest that you do. We're, we're going to make it fun. We're going to have a lot of good info. You know, you're going to, you're going to be impressed. I, I have a feeling I'll, I'll put my note on that, that I think that you will be impressed and, and gain a lot of knowledge from it. Um, just as a quick reminder for, uh, everyone, if you are bringing fur to uh, Prineville, uh, the fur drop-off is open at 7.30 a.m. on March 2nd. Um, that is a Saturday. It is a one-day sale. It is at the Kirk County Fairgrounds. Um, 
And for K Falls, uh, the fur drop-off is also going to be open at 7.30 a.m. on March 23rd, that Saturday. It is a one-day sale, um, and it is at the Klamath County Fairgrounds. If you are staying overnight in uh, in Primeville, uh, the Best Western is our host hotel. They give you a little bit of a discount. Um, give them a call. Tell them you're there for the first sale. They'll understand what you're talking about and quote you the rate. So, Jeremy, thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, Everybody, if you have questions um, about the show, about the first sales, about what we're doing in Oregon, and um, you can always get on our website. We have a list of the board members sitting there. Um, you You can send questions. You can message us on Facebook. Or you can send a email here to me at the podcast um, at Oregon Trapper Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I ask that you please leave a good review on whatever platform you're listening to. And we will talk to you guys next week.